You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis chapter 41, Genesis 41, and when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, Genesis chapter 41, and we'll begin reading in verse 37, verse 37 to verse number 44, Genesis 41 and verse number 37, the Bible says, and the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? In verse 39, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray you now speak to our hearts. Give us what we need from the word of God this morning. If anyone is here that does not know Christ, may today be the day of their salvation. For those that do know you, I pray today would be a day when we would be helped and we would be strengthened and we would be convicted by the word of God as it's preached. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do a work in the hearts as I do my best to speak to ears and speak to minds. I pray that there would be an eternal work done in our hearts and lives today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're continuing our series on the life of Joseph. And last week we talked about the fact that Joseph trusted God. He was uh, lied about by Potiphar's wife. He was thrown into prison. And even in prison, he feared God, he trusted God, he believed God. Then we saw last week the tragedy. The tragedy was that he interpreted the dreams for the butler and the baker, and the butler was restored to his position for Pharaoh, and Joseph made one request. He said, the only thing I ask is just please remember me when you get to Pharaoh, and would you just speak on my behalf? Of course, the butler got to Pharaoh and forgot all about it. And it was two years before the butler said, oh, Pharaoh, sorry, I forgot to tell you about this guy who can interpret dreams. And of course, we know the story then that Joseph comes in and interprets the dreams of Pharaoh. Would you notice with me in Genesis uh, 41 and verse number 25, and Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. We saw the trust in God. We saw the tragedy that he was forgotten. But then we saw the timing. The timing was that God's plan and God's purpose was exactly 
what it needed to be, God was right on time. The timing that God, God showed and God demonstrated in Joseph's life. Number four, we'll pick up this morning with the truth. Joseph interpreted the dream of the butler. He told him the truth. He interpreted the dream of the baker. He told him the truth. It wasn't nice. It wasn't kind. It wasn't exciting. But he said, here's the truth. Now, Joseph is interpreting the dream of Pharaoh, and he tells him the truth based upon what God had given to Joseph. We see that in verse 25. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. Verse number 32. And for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. God was showing Pharaoh what he was getting ready to do, not just in Pharaoh's life, but in Egypt and in the world. There would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine, and God revealed that to Pharaoh. Wouldn't it be great this morning if we had a way that we could know the future? Wouldn't it be great if we had a way we could know exactly what God wants us to know so that we could be prepared for what is coming. Wow, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Oh, I got some great news for you. We got it. God's already given it to us. God's already revealed it to us. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder what happens beyond the grave because God's word tells us for the Christian that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We don't have to wonder. We know that when we put our faith and trust in Christ, whether we die the next day or the next year or 10 years or 20 or 30 or 40, we know that we will spend forever in heaven with God because God's already told us that. Aren't you glad that God has revealed his truth to us? That's why we need to get in the Bible. That's why we need to study it. That's why we need to come to church. That's why we need to uh, uh, get in the Sunday school classes and get in the Sunday night and Wednesday night Bible studies and get in the word of God because we have the truth of God's word. God has revealed to us what's gonna happen next. The very next thing that's going to happen, it could happen at any moment, the Bible teaches us is the rapture. Now, the rapture is not a word you'll find in the Bible, but it's an event that you find described throughout the Bible. One place is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's the rapture. It's found in Revelation 4. The Bible says, John, on the Isle of Patmos, he said, I heard a voice as a trumpet saying, come up hither. And the Bible describes the scene in heaven. The, the elders, the 24 elders that represent the 12 uh, tribes of Israel and represent the, the 12 apostles of the New Testament, represent the Old Testament, New Testament Christians. They're gathered around the throne and they're casting their crowns before the throne. And they're singing and praising God. That's a picture of what's going to happen after the rapture, the judgment seat of Christ. When Christians will stand before the Bema seat and receive rewards for what we've done, we know what's going to happen. 
We know we're going to give an account. We know that we'll stand before God while we're in heaven after the rapture. There will be on this earth seven years of tribulation. It's found in the book of Revelation. It's found in the book of Jeremiah. It's found throughout the Old Testament. The Bible tells us that during the time that we are in heaven, during the after the rapture on earth, will be seven years of pain and suffering and sickness and war and famine and disease like this world has never seen. It will make the Holocaust look like a picnic. We're all worried about the coronavirus. Can I tell you the coronavirus doesn't have anything on the plagues that will be unleashed during the tribulation period. The Antichrist will be powered by Satan himself and he will unleash his fury on this world. Not only that, God will be judging his people, the nation of Israel, because they rejected Jesus, they rejected the Messiah and there will be seven years of tribulation on this earth. Friend, I'm not making this stuff up. I didn't dream about this last night. I'm not reading you something I found in an old Baptist book somewhere. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And we have the truth and we know the truth. Think about this. Pharaoh would have been a fool. Pharaoh would have been a fool to tell Joseph, ah, I don't believe you. Ah, it's not happening. Can you imagine how Pharaoh would have looked after seven years of plenty and he hadn't done anything? He hadn't made provision, he hadn't planned, he hadn't gotten things ready. And then the seven years of famine hit and he should have known better and he was warned, but he didn't do anything about it. Friend, I wanna tell you, there's gonna be a lot of people. When Jesus comes back, they're gonna have a lot of regrets. Why didn't I listen? Why didn't I trust Christ? Why didn't I accept the gift of salvation? Why didn't I do it? But it'll be too late. Friend, the truth has been given to us. We know at the end of the tribulation, there's going to be a battle. We call it the battle of Armageddon. It's when all the nations of the world, the armies of the world, gather themselves together to fight. They're fighting against each other, but something happens. It's the end of the seven-year tribulation, and Jesus is coming back. Not the rapture, that's already happened. Jesus is coming back riding on a white horse. He's coming back with his saints. He's coming back to rule and to reign on this earth for a thousand years. We call that the millennium. But before the millennium starts, Jesus will defeat the armies of the Antichrist that have gathered together and they will fight against God. I got good news for you. That battle is not even close. That battle is not a back and forth battle. That battle is not a one where you got to bite your nails and think who's going to win. That battle is won. When Jesus Christ opens his mouth. The Bible says in Revelation 19, out of his mouth proceedeth as it were a sharp two-edged sword. You know what defeats the armies of the Antichrist? The same thing that spoke the worlds into existence. The very word of God, the very voice of God defeats the Antichrist, defeats the armies, and there will be on this earth a millennial reign for a thousand years where Jesus will rule and reign on this earth with his saints. At the end of the thousand years, there's another judgment. It's called the great white throne. It's a judgment where every single unsaved person who's ever lived will be called up and they will stand before the great white throne judgment. At that judgment, the Bible says in Revelation 20, the books will all be opened. 
And the book of life will be taken, and in that book it will be found that whosoever was not found written in the book of life, they will be cast into the lake of fire, the Bible says. Now again, I'm not telling you about a dream I had. I'm not telling you about some cool movie that I saw the other night. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And friend, we have the truth. We have the word of God. You say, well, how do we know it's true? Because it's been true up till now. There's not a mistake. There's not an error. Every prophecy has been fulfilled. And by the way, if you don't believe the Bible, then you got other problems. Like, how'd you get here? You're not an accident. You're not a result of a big bang. You're not a result of some tadpoles and some monkeys and uh, millions of years of evolution. You are a result of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and we've got the truth. Now, what are we going to do with it? Can I tell you what we need to do with the truth? We've got the truth. We need to tell the truth. It's a shame when Somebody tells you something, and you, you know people like this. Perhaps they're in your family. Maybe they're at your workplace. There are some people that whenever they tell you something, it may or may not be true. You don't know for sure. You know, as Christians, we ought to speak the truth. We, ought, we need to get back to, as Christians, we need to get back to hating and despising lying and deceit and dishonesty. You know why? Because God hates it. As Christians, we have the truth. We need to tell the truth. Number two, as Christians, we've got the truth. Quit trying to change the truth. You know, so many people want to change the truth. And you know why they want to change it? Because it doesn't match up with their life. And they think, I'm going to change the truth because this is the way I think it ought to be. Buddy, I don't care what you think. I don't care what your idea is. Your idea is not going to stand up to nothing. But I'll tell you what will stand forever. The truth of the word of God. You don't change the truth. You let the truth change you. Some people get mad at the truth. I heard a quote this week from a preacher. He said this. Truth sounds like hate to people who hate the truth. I want to tell you, you're going to go out of here today and you're going to go out into a world, they're going to call you all kinds of names. And it's simply because you believe the truth of God's word. Now, I'm not asking you to go out and start a fight. I'm not asking you to go out and share your opinion this week. Please don't go to your coworker tomorrow and say, uh, excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am. I just need to tell you the truth. The truth is, you're ugly. Well, that's... Uh, that's an opinion. And it may be true, but that's an opinion. Uh, don't go share that truth. But go out this week and share the truth of the word of God. Share the truth of salvation and share the truth of heaven and share the truth of the gospel. Share the truth. People will label you as being a bigot. You'll be labeled as, as being a hater. You'll be labeled as being narrow-minded. But friend, I want to tell you, we're not hateful of anybody. We love everybody. We want everybody to be saved. We want everybody to come to a knowledge of the truth. But we can't change the truth for you or anybody else. The truth changes us. We have the Bible. We have the truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Number four, I see in this passage the truth. Joseph told the truth. He told what God had revealed to him. And we have the Bible, the revealed truth of God to share with the world. Number five, I'd like for you to see in this passage Joseph's testimony. After Joseph interpreted the dreams, 
Joseph said, now, Pharaoh, you're going to have to pick somebody who you can set over the, the whole process because you got to save up. you got to store up in plenty so you'll have food during the famine. That's a great Bible principle. Uh, it's found in Proverbs 6 where the Bible says, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. What does the ant do? The ant prepares during the summer because when the winter comes, the food's not available. As God's people, we ought to be good stewards. We ought to uh, uh, take care of the things that God has given us. Saving is a good principle and stewarding is a great principle. Pharaoh chose Joseph. Notice verse number 38. Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee this, there is none so discreet, there's nobody so discerning and so wise as you. Do you know what's amazing to me? I don't even know if Pharaoh knew God. I don't know if Pharaoh knew anything about Jehovah God. But he said to Joseph, he said, Joseph, I can see that the Spirit of God is in you. Wouldn't that be great this week if some people at the workplace and people in the community and people in the neighborhood, they said, oh yeah, there's that person that got that, that victory back Baptist bumper sticker and they're always, you know, yelling and cussing and they're all, no, no, no. Wouldn't it be great if they saw somebody this week and they said, hey, that person's got the spirit of God. That person knows God. That person is Christ-like. That person loves God and loves people. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that would be said of us? How is your testimony? Not just what you say, but how you live. Joseph was made ruler. Notice verse number 41. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Verse 42. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck and made him to ride in the second chariot. Verse number 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath paneah and he gave him to wife Azanath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. I see Joseph's testimony. But number six, I see Joseph's transformation. Now, only God could do this. Did you see what it said in this passage here that Pharaoh took Joseph after he interpreted the dream and he put a gold ring on his finger? Now, that gold ring was more than just here's some jewelry. That ring was the signet. It was the seal of the authority of Pharaoh. So with that ring, Joseph could speak on behalf of Pharaoh. He could act and he could uh, uh, take care of business on the, in the, on the authority that Pharaoh had given him. But then it says this, Pharaoh gave him and arrayed him with vestures of fine linen. Now, I don't, know, I don't know how all this was sinking in for Joseph, but when Pharaoh said, Joseph, you are in command of Egypt. I, I, I skipped this verse. You got to see this verse. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 43. And they cried before him, bow the knee. Oh, man. I wonder if Joseph started remembering his dreams. Remember the sheaves bowing down to his sheaf that he had the dream of? Remember the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down and worshiping and Joseph had those dreams in Genesis 37? I wonder if when Pharaoh said, all right, here he comes, here's the ruler. I want everybody to bow down and worship Joseph. I wonder if he was thinking, 
it's happening. Wow. At this point, it's 13 years later. He was 17 when he was sold by his brothers. He's now 30 years old. 13 years later, and it's coming to pass. But not only that, I wonder what, I wonder what Joseph thought when Pharaoh said, hey guys, I want you to go and I want you to get the finest garments, the finest vestures that we have, and I want you to put them on Joseph. Now hang on, this may not mean much to you, but to Joseph, I wonder if he saw that coming. And I wonder if he thought, I once had a coat that my daddy gave me. I was so proud of that coat. I thought so much of that coat. It was a gift from my dad. It was a coat of many colors. And I had that coat and I wore that coat everywhere. But one day, somebody ripped it off. My brothers, they ripped it off of me. They threw me in a pit and they, they took my coat and they ripped it to shreds and they dipped it in animal's blood. And they, they went back and they, they told Jacob, they said, oh, look, some wild beast has got him. I wonder if Joseph thought about that coat when he was putting on the royal coat. I wonder if he thought about that coat from his father when he thought, I'm getting this coat from Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And then I wonder if Joseph thought about the time he was in Potiphar's house. He tried to do what was right and Potiphar's wife came and tempted him and Joseph said to her, he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph said no to temptation and she grabbed a hold of his coat and the Bible says that he literally had to flee without his coat because she was hanging on so tight. He lost another coat there and that coat was actually used as evidence against Joseph. Potiphar's wife said, look, I've got his coat. Look, he tried to violate me. Look, look what Joseph did. And boy, that coat was gone. And now, he's got a new one. He's got a royal coat, the finest linen that Pharaoh is putting on him. I wonder if that was for Joseph a little bit of, wow, we have come full circle. God's taking care of me. I lost that coat at home. I lost that coat in Potiphar's house, but whew, those couldn't compare to the royal coat that I'm now wearing. And friend, I want to tell you, we have a robe of flesh the Bible talks about, but someday we're getting something better than this robe of flesh. The Bible tells us that we will be robed in white, in garments of, of white that will be given to us by our Heavenly Father. Uh, the, 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 the flesh is weak and the, the flesh is, is, is weary. But can I tell you, we're going to have our mortal bodies put on immortality. And this incorruptible body is going to put on incorruption and death will be swallowed up in victory. And I wonder for Joseph, I wonder if that coat, I wonder if that just did something for him. Wow. God knows. And God's taking care of it. And God is settling the score. But not only that, Pharaoh put around his neck a gold chain. Now, I don't know what the Ishmaelites put on Joseph when they led him away as a slave, but it could have been some chains. It could have been some, uh, some fetters. 
It could have been some, some, some restraints that they put on him. And then Joseph was thrown into prison by Potiphar. And before the, the prison keeper gave him some authority and gave him some, some freedom, I wonder if Joseph was sitting in that prison chained to a wall, chained to the ground, chained to the bars. Now there's another chain being put, up, put on him, but this is not a chain of bondage. This is a chain of royalty. Can I tell you, that's a transformation that only God could do. Only God can take somebody from the pit and put them in the palace. Only God could take somebody from the prison and put them in the palace and put them in control. And only God can work that kind of outward transformation. Oh, but it doesn't stop there. You say, well, I'm not so convinced, Pastor, that, that Joseph was really getting it. I'm not really sure that he was reconciled to the fact that God was doing all this. Well, let me show you. Genesis 41 and verse number 50. It says, and unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. You say, well, pastor, that's wonderful. He got a wife in Egypt. God blessed him with a wife. And God blessed him with two boys. That's wonderful. His family rejected him and his family forsook him, but God gave him a wife and God gave him some sons and, and Joseph was faithful and God blessed him. You say, wow, that's great. Oh, no, 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 that's not all. Joseph named those boys. And when he named his boys, he didn't just tell the name, he told the meaning of the names because he wanted to send a message very loud and clear to everybody there in Egypt. He said, I'm naming my boys Manasseh. Now keep in mind, he hadn't, he hadn't seen his brothers yet. He hadn't seen his daddy yet. He hadn't seen Benjamin yet. We're getting to that in the next couple weeks. He hadn't seen any of them. This was all inward. This was all in Joseph's heart. The first one, he said, I'm naming my first son Manasseh. Notice what it says in verse 51. For God said he hath made me forget all my toil." and all my father's house. Joseph said, I'm forgetting some things on purpose. He said, I'm making a decision to forget about the way I was treated. I'm making a decision to forget about the, the wrongs that my brothers did to me. I'm making a decision to say, I'm not going to live in the past and I'm not going to live with bitterness and I'm not going to live with hatred and anger. I am forgetting some things that happened in my father's house. But then he said this, but then there's Ephraim. He said, I'm naming Ephraim fruitful. He said, because boy, God's been so good to me. God has blessed me beyond my wildest dreams. But notice what he says about Ephraim's name. He says, Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now, hang on. We would have thought, sure, Joseph uh, interprets Pharaoh's dream and he is hightailing it out of Egypt. He's going home. He's getting out of there and then things will be good. Oh, no, no. God blessed him while he was still in Egypt. God blessed him while he was still in Egypt the afflictions. God blessed him while he was in the prison. God blessed him while he was in the pit. God blessed Joseph, not outside of his problems. God blessed him while he was in the affliction. And friend, I want to tell you two characteristics of a victorious Christian. Number one, 
there's some things you got to forget. And you say, well, I don't, I don't, I can't forget because you don't know what they did to me. Now, hang on, hang on. You know why you can forget? You can forget because you know he has not forgotten. And God will settle the score. I'm not saying anybody needs to get off. I'm not saying that we justify sin or cover sin or that we, uh, we don't deal with sin. I'm not saying that. But here's what I'm saying. You can't live your life bitter every single day because of something that happened in your past. You're going to have to make the decision to forget some things and let God deal with it. But you can't just be forgetful. You can't just say, oh, I forget about all the problems. I forget about all that. But I'm just going to uh, pout till Jesus comes. Oh, no. You've got to look around. You've got to open your eyes. And you've got to see how God has blessed you in the affliction. God's blessed you in the trial. God's blessed you in the sickness. God's blessed you in the doctor's office. God's blessed you in the funeral home. God's blessed you in the turmoil. God's blessed you through the difficulty. And when you stop and you just look at all God's done, that's when the transformation can take place. And it's not a transformation you can make on your own. You see, as we read this story, you've got to know that God is working all of this out for Joseph's good and for God's glory. Because Joseph, he couldn't have figured out a plan like this. He couldn't make things happen. He couldn't do all that had to take place. But God could, and God did. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.